Hello! Welcome to Impersonal Opinion, the podcast where we don't take our opinions personally. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with Jamie Soden and Michael Walsh. And before this podcast began, we were talking about a variety of things such as as climate change and animal rights, human rights, all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm pretty much up for talking about whatever um, uh, my other co-hosts here talk about. Would one of you guys like to say your impersonal opinions or do you want me to start? Well, I can't remember which episode it was, right? But I will start off um, with the whole climate change thing. George Ortega said in one of his videos, you know, in his discussions with Nick Vale, um, he mentioned something about disease vectors and, uh, you know, parasites or whatever. Um, and that, uh, at some point, climate change will become so severe that diseases will um, mutate faster than we can find treatments for. And that, uh, um, the human population will start um, drastically dropping. Um, when when did he say this would happen? I don't remember when he said that would happen exactly. But it is going to be severe. Uh, I do I do understand his point. Um, it does sound logical because in warm weather, in like in the tropics, for example, you do get some very um, serious illnesses like Ebola and all that stuff and malaria. You know the malaria parasite or even worms that live in your, you know, intestines and stuff. Now, of course, you can get these anywhere, but I'm just saying, you know, you're more likely to get, catch these sorts of illnesses in warmer climates. And uh, he does make a very good point. I mean, it does kill a lot of people, that malaria, doesn't it? Yeah, and you said it was really bad in Africa. Yeah, of course it is. That's why you need, um, that's why you need to be vaccinated before you go over there. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and so you're saying it has a lot to do with the temperature of the climate. Well, of course, because um, um, if I remember science class right, um, cells uh, divide quicker in warmer temperatures. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying like um, bacteria can't live in colder climates. I'm just saying that you know. The way that um, cell division works is that it's more rapid, um, you know, in the tropics and stuff like that. That's very interesting because I don't know I don't know too much about viruses or bacteria, but from from what I I I've heard, supposedly either extreme heat or extreme cold is capable of killing bacteria and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. Yeah, that's true. But extreme heat has to be like boiling, beyond boiling temperatures. Exactly. And so that's, um, that, that, of course, those temperatures, humans can't live those temperatures anyway, so it kills the humans. <laughs> Another reason why uh, malaria, well, e Ebola also it spreads in sub-Saharan Africa Besides the fact that it's hot and humid and those are kind of ideal conditions for these kinds of diseases to spread, is also the um, infrastructure just isn't there. They don't have sanitation systems, modern sanitation systems. Exactly. And people there don't wash their hands as much over here because, you know, in a lot of uh, developing countries, there just isn't available uh, clean running water and there's not enough soap uh, everywhere. Uh, I mean, when I was in uh, Mexico... The restroom of like like has literally no soap. And one, you know, if you go to the bathroom, well, if you live in a first world country, you just expect soap to be there. 
And then when you go to the sink and there's no soap, there's just a faucet and it turns water on and you're like, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. And you're just going to go back and eat your meal and you realize, well, the, the, the people working at the restaurant, they're using the same bathroom you are and they're not washing their hands while they're cooking your food. And it's like, oh, man, I don't like that because I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. And uh, that also spreads disease like crazy. And also in Africa and India, a lot of people are malnourished due to poverty. So that ha that is a contributing factor as to why so many people die of these diseases. Because if you're malnourished, your immune system is not going to be as uh, res resistant to all these bacteria and all that stuff. So you're more likely to die as a result of these diseases. Does it affect the non-human animal population as well? Um, of course. Of course it does, yeah. Yeah, uh, because um, the warmer climate allows the things like fleas and rats and roaches to live longer and become more abundant, and they spread diseases as well. And mosquitoes, definitely. Yeah, so you remember anything about mitosis, uh, uh, clips? You'll know that in tropical climates, right, in, in comparison to colder climates, right, Bacteria and other single-celled organisms, um, they mutate um, and divide much more rapidly. This is not extreme temperatures we're talking about. In, tro in the tropics, these are, like, these are ideal conditions for life to evolve and spread and all this stuff, you know what I mean? So, so um, what it could mean is that as climate change, as the planet gradually warms up, some areas that are perhaps cooler than the tropics will become more like the tropics, and then they will will have the concern of diseases um, evolving more rapidly. And exactly, and that's George Ortega's point. Um, it's very logical. He, he, I'd say he was telling the truth about that, actually. That unless, unless something is done about climate change, the human population will severely drop off, maybe even to extinction, if we're very unlucky. Wait, did he say the human population? He said the human population would drop off at um, some point if nothing is done about climate change, yeah. Um, I, I don't think that uh, the climate change will make it to the point where the human um, species is, is, uh, is threatened, even if um, um, it gets a little bit warmer. And the reason why is this. Because, because in the northern countries that are the developed countries, I don't think that disease would become that big of a deal. Uh, in northern countries because the infrastructure is there and the health standards and the, the soap available to sterilize your hands and stuff like that. So I, I don't I think it it could make outbreaks of diseases um, bad, but I don't really think it'll be enough to wipe out the human species. Yeah, I don't think it'll completely wipe out the human species, but it could wipe out the human population in certain areas. If we're very unlucky, there is a scenario where the human population could go extinct as a result of complete ignorance to what is actually happening. Yeah, well, you know, another thing that's interesting is if something were to happen, such as something completely wipes out the electricity in a nation, so many people would die just from that. And I, I read something about like a solar flare could do such a thing, and I don't know much about that. It could, it definitely could, uh, a solar flare that was powerful enough and that directly hit Earth could fry the circuitry in our um, 
uh, electronic grid and in our satellites and uh, in our mainframes of computers. And that could just literally put the entire industrialized world in, in, into the dark or even the, the entire world or whatever side of the earth got hit by that, by that um, uh, solar flare. And it actually could result in possibly in some part, parts of the world, like maybe years to repair that infrastructure. And, uh, and as a side effect, it will also damage the economy um, very severely as well, because that will mean people will have to replace their uh, electronic uh, devices and um, this is going to cost a lot of money. It's no joke, man. And, you know, it leads to an interesting thought, guys, about think about how the fact that there's, I don't know how, what the population of humans worldwide is now. I, I know it's over 7 it's, billion. It's 7.2 billion. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, think about it. Um, I think that part of the only reason that humans are allowed to maintain even that level of population is because we have modern conveniences, you know, of machines and electricity. Because if you take away, you know, um, the modern things such such as, you know, uh, um, houses and apartments with heating and cooling, and, and you take away life support systems and all sorts of electronic things, I mean, that just shows how if, if let's just say that there was complete power outage in a nation for one week, I think that would be enough to kill a few million people. But just think about this, Chandler, right? If climate change um, warms up the southern and northern hemisphere to the point where we have more of a problem with these, um, you know, diseases and stuff. Just think if we had that in tandem with solar flares wiping out our you know national grid and stuff like that and we we had to go some time without electricity wouldn't that have a detrimental effect on you know human population yeah i mean especially when you combine it like that and also from what i from from what i heard in that movie inconvenient truth and i think george ortega also wrote something about it in one of his books about the sea level rising by 20 feet or something because of the the all the ice in the in the north and south pole like melting as the as it gets warmer and warmer and all this ice raising the sea level so that entire um, countries even might go completely underwater. Yeah, and the UK is going to suffer from it a lot um, because um, it's only a small you know country. Um, actually, it's it's more comparable to an island really if you think about it um, where I live. Um, and this is not this is not scaremongering. I actually seen a documentary on this, and what they're saying is factual. If the South Pole and North Pole melted completely, then mo most of our country would be underwater. You know, so. Yeah, and then there's people who live on other islands all over the world. You know that there there's Hawaii, there's there's Japan, the Japan Islands. You know. And I don't know about Australia because it's it's you know it's kind of it's a very big island or a small continent depending on how you look at it. <laughs> well, it's a very big um, chunk of land, so I wouldn't have, I wouldn't think um, they'd be affected too much. But it's still a problem nonetheless because any any innocent life that gets destroyed by this is one life too many. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting, guys, because when you think about it. Another thing I wonder is, 
even it, there will be some survivors, I'm sure. There's going to be some survivors of both humans and other non-human animals that aren't wiped out by these disasters. Um, but one question is, will hum humanity learn um, to avoid uh, in the future the same things that, that cause climate change to begin with? That's assuming that we're still around to learn from it. Right, that is a big assumption. Because, like, I, I think about it, guys, um, the few survivors that there were, would they even be intelligent enough to be able to recreate society as we know it now? Or would it be radically different? Well, alle allegedly, um, the human race survived um, an ice age, in, you know, in our long, distant history. Um, you know, when we were primitive and stuff, um, apparently... There was an ice age when humans were around, like thousands of years ago. How long ago was that? I'll have to get a link up. I also saw a documentary on this. It was it was about ancient Britain. Um, they were saying, like, I think it was over 30,000 years ago, I'm not sure. Our great-great ancestors did survive an ice age. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that there will, there will be some survivors, regardless of what happens. Because, you know, just the fact that <laughs> all forms of life have an amazing ability to reproduce and it, it would, and nothing would be able to kill all of them all at once. Uh, what do you guys think is the largest contributor to cl climate change? Well, um, from how I understand it, uh, a big part of it is actually the animal industries, the, the meat industry and, and stuff like that. Something about methane. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, George explained something about that, and I've read about it. And of course, then there's also you know all the all the use of oil and 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 the gas emissions and stuff like that. So I think those are the, are the main things. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right. Um, <clears throat> I just saw this movie, this documentary uh, a few weeks ago called. Uh, Cowspiracy? Have you ever heard of it? I don't remember if I've if I've seen it, but I think I've at least heard of it before. It's um it's new and um I think it just came out like a year ago and it, it just got released onto Netflix um about a month ago. So if you have Netflix or I don't know if there's Netflix in the UK or whatever its equivalent of is, then you can you should you should check it out. And uh, it has some really, like, alarming statistics. So it basically says that um, the agriculture industry for, like, you know, for, for animals, uh, to, for them to be turned into food, is basically the number one contributor to uh, global greenhouse gas emissions and deforestation of the, of, of the world's forests. It says that Animal agriculture is responsible for 91% of Amazon rainforest destruction. And uh, so for, for palm oil, 26 million acres have been cleared. Uh, I'm not sure what – I think – I don't know if, how far that goes back. But for agriculture, it's 136 million uh, acres has been cleared for making farms for, for animals. And uh, some other statistics are one single hamburger requires 660 gallons of water to make, which is the equivalent of 
two months worth of showering for the average person. So that's just like a ridiculous amount of water it takes just to make a single hamburger. And there have been times where like I've bitten into a hamburger and I'm just like, ah, you know, I don't want it anymore. And I just threw it out and I didn't realize that it takes 666 gallons of water on average to make it. And, uh, there's a, so, I mean, the movie, the documentary definitely makes the argument that you should, uh, you should really seriously minimize your meat intake, not only of meat, but also of fish as well. Um, because, uh, the, the fish reserves in the ocean are being seriously depleted and, uh, they're, they're probably not going to be around for another couple decades, given the rate at which we're eating. And, uh, I mean, that, these kind of statistics was enough for me to honestly become vegetarian. So I just became vegetarian recently and, yeah, uh, given up meat. I'll be able to watch it. I mean, I've got it up on my screen right now. And after I'm done with this podcast, I might actually, uh, sit and watch it actually. But, yeah, I highly urge you to watch it. It's really good. Yeah. I do believe you. Um, you know, that there's a lot of considerations. I mean, not just um, the amount of water it will take to make a hamburger, but also the amount of, you know, bad cholesterol that's in this type of meat. Because um, there's been like um, some fear, you know, fear mongering about, you know, cholesterol and all this stuff. Um, but what, what um, some companies won't tell you is that there's bad cholesterol and there's good cholesterol. You need, you need good cholesterol because obviously that gives you energy. But bad cholesterol, that's going to stick to your arteries. And this type of stuff is found in red meats, isn't it, Chandler? Yeah. From how from how I uh, have heard and read about stuff, that our, our bodies can't really handle, like, animal fat. You know, it's totally different from, like, pl- plant fat and stuff like that. There's so many health benefits to you know, eliminating animal products from your diet, aside from other ethical issues and the climate change thing. Because um, when people hear the word cholesterol, they immediately panic and they don't seem to understand the difference between bad lipids and good lipids. I I did my research on this a while back. It's the low density um, fats that stick to your artery walls. The high density ones are the ones that could just slip through you quite easily without, you know, without getting stuck to anything. Yeah, and you know, we we gotta admit it would be a much better use of resources um, for humans to be eating plants and drinking the water, and that will consume less plants and less water than um, the animal industry and relying on on meat for food and stuff like that. Yeah, and plant and plant fats, especially what's found in nuts, unset. Um, I think it's called polyunsaturated. Um, they have the high density cholesterols that we need and people should stop like you know worrying about that because that's not the stuff that's going to kill you what is going to kill you is the stuff that you find in red meats and it's very bad for you it will cause um coronary heart disease you know in your late 30s to 40s if you're obese you know um there is there is a high chance that you'll get it especially if you've got high blood pressure uh so you should you should seriously consider a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, you know, and it, it's very interesting because there's so many levels to this, you know, because there's the how it contributes to climate change. There's for our own health that will that will live longer and have fewer 
problems if we eat a plant-based diet. And then there's also, you know, for me, most importantly, it's about, you know, not treating these other animals as lesser beings than humans. Oh, yeah, that too. I mean, we're, we're killing animals when we don't have to. I mean, it's proven that we don't need we don't need to kill animals. Um, and people will be saying, well, what about vitamin B12? You, know, you get that from fish. And I'll just say back to them, well, why don't you just use vitamin supplements? You can get those in pills now. And I, I actually take a, a B12 supplement that I got for really cheap, too. So, yeah, you know, it's um, th there really has to be at some level, plant sources of all the nutrients we need, you know, um, and it's and it's obvious that there's so many animals that live, you know, long, strong, healthy lives just eating plants. You've got elephants, you've got you've got horses, you've got some rabbits. You know, there's all kinds of cool things like that. Slaughtering animals. Um and then keeping the meat fresh and all this stuff. Imagine the amount of work it would take to you know, market this stuff to people and make sure they don't get food poisoning at the same time. I mean, it's a lot harder to do than um, to grow a vegetable like in soil. Yeah, and you would think that it would be more practical to, to focus on you know, plants than animals because for one thing, you know, Plants don't run away from you. They stay in the spot where they're growing. They are much easier to manage in so many different ways from a practical perspective. Yeah, just add water and sunlight. Yeah, and you know, another thing that's interesting, guys, is that, see, um, humans have, an, have, because they have, you know, machines and, and, there's, and there's, you know, mass production of plant foods, not as much as there should be, mind you, because there needs to be more plants instead of animals being raised in order to feed the whole human population. Um, but, I mean, it, it's different now than it would have been, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, before machinery, before, um, you know, people could grow as much uh, plants as they do now. Well, you only have to go back a couple hundred years, actually, for that. How, yeah, how, how did that how did that begin? Like, um, how, like when did how long ago did things change as far as how food was grown? Um, agriculture started about uh, ten thousand years ago, but even then it was you know relatively small scale. Uh, and then you know in the in the Middle Ages it, it really kind of like started picking up, and by like eighteen hundred. You know, and like uh, you, then you started getting like industrial farming, uh, and then by the twentieth century, that's when you get like the modern farm where we just uh, grow. You have you know machines doing all the planting and picking and all that stuff. Hey Chandler, I have to try and find a documentary about the ancient humans and stuff about you know over thirty thousand years ago about um, humanity surviving the ice age. Um, it was very interesting at the time, but. I can't seem to remember the name of it. Um, Michael Walsh, do you know any um, documentaries about um, humans in ancient times? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, not uh, off the top of my head. Uh, what is it specifically about? Is it about agriculture or like just no, no, in no. general? I was um, talking to Chandler about um, how humans survived the Ice Age. To be completely honest, I forgot exactly how we survived it, but we did, we did come through. Um, that's what I was saying. 
Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't around back then. <laughs> well, the Ice Age, was, it, 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 it did technically affect the whole Earth, but if you were living in Africa or, like, South Asia, um, it wasn't cold. It was m mainly cold up in the north, like, you know, Europe and North America and, like, Northern Asia was affected really bad. But if you were in Africa, you were you were still warm. Oh, of course, yeah, because we the first humans they started off in Kenya, didn't they? So. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is that uh, the the ice age I think brought about like different kinds of droughts to to Africa, and uh, that drought may have inspired um, our ancestors to leave Africa and go, go out into Asia and, and eventually Europe. And there was also a volcano. I think it was Krakatoa in Indonesia, which affected the climate in, in Africa. And uh, that also made it so that living conditions were more difficult. And uh, so they left and uh, went into Europe around uh, like 50,000 years ago where they encountered Neanderthals. And right around that time was pretty much the Ice Age. And it was like much, much colder in Europe than, than it is now and harder to live. And back then, humans were ruthless savages. I mean, people were just killing each other um, every chance they got, you know, because um, there weren't much um, rules and regulations back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was no, uh, there was no Obamacare, and there was no uh, federal government or anything like that. No, it was just complete anarchy back then. Yeah. There was no national health service. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to think about that, and there's there's a lot of things that probably weren't there, there probably weren't national sports t uh, games televised and and weird stuff like that. And of course, there wasn't the internet or podcasts, which is kind of sad. Well, people back then were pretty much hunters and gatherers. You know, uh, there was no agriculture that didn't start until around ten thousand years ago. So prior to that, it was really just people living in small tribes of maybe up to 100 people, and you just went out and hunted your food. And uh, if, you didn't, uh, if you didn't catch the animal, if you threw a spear and the animal got away, you might not even eat that day. Yeah, so back then, um, humans were more carnivores, sort of like, you know, you have of lions and wolves today, because... Those animals don't have a means of doing agriculture necessarily. Yeah, but now that we've got the means to do agriculture, there's no there's no longer a need to be carnivorous. There's just not a justification anymore. Uh, you know, back in back in ancient times, we didn't know any better. We had to be carnivorous because otherwise, you would starve to death pretty much. I mean, where were you going to find wheat? Where were you going to find corn? You know, you just you just weren't going to find it, were you? Yeah, so basically, it's more like those who did hunt and eat meat, those were the people who survived and reproduced. And so it became a, a basically a habit that humanity's had for a long time, and yet times have changed so that now it's not really, it's not, you know, if you, if you live in a, in a first world country or whatever, you know, um, generally you can get by with eating eating only plants and you don't have to hunt it or kill anything. Yeah, and like I said before, I mean, you, you get um, better forms of fat in, um, in plants. You don't get any of, any of this nasty stuff that sticks to your arteries and 
gives you heart attacks, you know, at very early ages. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, what is the the political situation over there in terms of climate change denial? Because here in the U.S., we have a whole political party, the Republican Party, that is pretty much the the majority of them. They they don't even acknowledge that climate change is even happening. I don't follow politics all that much, but I'd like to say they're they're at least trying to do something about it. I mean, we've got wind farms over here in England now. You know, it's it's not all bad. I heard that the Netherlands has a hundred percent of its uh, electricity through renewable uh, energy means. And there's been talk about using fusion as a fuel source, but um, it hasn't been put into action yet. Yeah, we're still away from fusion. Uh, that's going to be... It takes a lot of energy to make it. Uh, but once you get it, you get a lot of energy, a lot more in return. Uh, but I, I, I don't know all the science on that, but they've made some breakthroughs recently, but I think we're still maybe 10, 20 years away. Yeah. I mean, obviously, with fusion, you've got to start off with hydrogen atoms, aren't you? Because hydrogen is a very light element. And, Jamie, weren't you saying something about people converting to solar power? Um... Well, solar power, solar power is a, a, a very good alternative. Uh, the problem is it's a very um, expensive option because solar, pa- um, solar panels cost a lot of money. And to buy these things in bulk, you'd just be burning your wallet, you know, for a short-term investment. Yeah, it, but it would be it, long-term, assuming someone could do that long-term, they, they would save money. It would just take a long time. Yeah, it would take a long time to you know get back the money that you spent. What would be nice um, if it can if it could be done is solar powered magnetic uh, monorail. I mean that would be nice. You know the maglevs. Uh, what? You know um, the maglevs that they use on magnet. You, you know these um, monorail trains. Oh, magnet trains. Yeah, magnet trains. Yeah, I mean um, they could power those using solar energy at some point. I mean that's an interesting. Um, that's kind of an interesting concept. I mean, I'd like that to be, I'd, I'd like to see that uh, being done, but I probably won't see that being done in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about these new technologies, really. Maglevs are, are, from what I hear, they're really expensive actually to make right now. Yeah, that's the problem. But if you if you had them like um, solar powered, think of the money that um, the company would say um, save in the long term. Hey guys, here's an interesting thought. Let's suppose that you um, had the option of like living an old-fashioned life where you can live out in a pretty decent climate on a farm somewhere, but there's no electricity. Would you be able to live like that? Uh, definitely not. I got to have the internet, man. I can't live without the internet and electricity in general. I need hot water when I turn the knob, and I need music like, you know, being able to have like recorded music that I can play and I need just I need the internet you know it's just I I could never live on a simple Amish lifestyle yeah but here's the thing if it was if a if a solar flower was bad enough um you do realize that it could wipe out the internet servers and they will be will be without the internet quite a long time yeah well it'll it'll uh it'll wipe out the infrastructure I don't think the data would get lost but the, the the processors inside the computers will get fried, and that could they, they, that could be out for like years. And so my job is done entirely online. So I have no idea what I would do for a living if the internet went out for a year in the U.S. I'd well, have to go back to like 
hunting and gathering. Well, it depends on what kind of damage it will do to the uh, storage drives. Because if the storage drives um, get an electrical surge, the de- the data will just get wiped on them, and that and that will be a huge problem for companies that rely on data. You also have to consider what that would do to um, the information, sort of like you know the books. Because these days, you know, there's been a moving away from traditional printed books towards ebooks and stuff, and if and, and if all like the internet and all the data were all was all destroyed and stuff like there would be people would lose a whole bunch of of digital data that some of which they had bought you yeah, know it'd be lost and that's kind of bad yeah but that's not the worst case scenario the worst case scenario is that you know businesses will go bankrupt because of this like amazon right they heavily rely on internet service because their business cannot run without the internet if the internet were just Say if the data was completely destroyed, you know, corrupted, whatever, by an electrical surge as a result of a solar flare, Amazon will go bankrupt, Google will be finished, and it will do some serious economical damage to Microsoft as well. So. Yeah, that I mean, that would be really kind of kind of scary. I mean, it would change the whole world. You know, um, see, here's the deal. Like a long time ago. You know, back before computers and the internet, and before people learned how to use electricity, people were living like the Amish. They were living, you know, without these modern conveniences we have. But people have to get used to it because nature wins the end. I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, it could. That, I mean, that could happen to us. You know, if such a disaster struck like that. But, like, I, I often think about it like I've thought long and hard. Could I handle an existence like that without computers and the Internet and, and that kind of stuff? And, you know, um, like, I think that I, I might be able to because I, I'm just the kind of person who I, I happen to hate the noisy busyness of the city and even though I, I love the internet and I love talking to you guys, I would be really sad if I couldn't talk to you guys because the, the whole computer and internet fry. The same, but I'm just, I'm just um, preparing myself for the worst because, you know, in, in the next solar maximum, um, you know, it could happen, man. You know what I mean? And if, if we go without the internet, that means we can't do our podcasts. It would just be bye-bye um, friends on Skype. I won't be able to talk to any of you ever again, unfortunately. Yeah, well, we could become pen pals, but that would be about it. Yeah, we could send each other, like, uh, letters uh, through um, airmail or something, but we'll have to know each other's um, postcodes for that to happen. Yeah, that's the thing about it. That's the one thing. I mean, the reason that the Internet is so viable to me is because of the friends that I can talk to online. That's, I mean, that's the main thing. There's also the fact that I, I love getting Kindle books and I, and I love blogs and I love YouTube video documentaries and stuff like that. What about the bigger question of like how would you make a living and even feed yourself? Because you wouldn't have a job, I presume. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about it. Like, um, like, for example, you know, I work at Hy-Vee, you know, and – the grocery store is completely electrically powered. I mean, you know, the the cash registers, the conveyor belts, the refrigeration systems, ev- the lights, everything there is electric. So without electricity, the grocery stores are gone. 
So yeah, that would be bad. So basically what would end up happening is I would turn into a wild horse that's going around grazing on the plants I find. I will watch Cowspiracy um, after I've done this podcast with you. I've just got it up on my screen ready to watch it. Um, um, yeah. Is there anything we need to talk about before we finish this channel? Um, I don't know. Yeah, we, we've been talking for about 41 minutes or whatever. Um, so yeah, if you if you guys are done, we could end this episode, I suppose. Um, I think Michael wants to carry on. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really have much more to add right now. Yeah, it, this is kind of an interesting episode. I mean, yeah, because we talked about climate change. We talked about about animals and we talked about electricity going out and and <laughs> all sorts of interesting topics. So, yeah, this is fun. Uh, it was a kind of just a relaxed talk, guys. But it's a trip. I mean, people will have to get used to the fact that if if, if our electricity got taken out and if our internet got taken out, we'd have to rely on old-fashioned means like books in a library. I mean, I don't think books in, in a library should be gotten rid of entirely because we'll, we'll need them one day. Trust me. Trust me on that one. We'll, well we... because a lot of our knowledge and history is digital now, if we lost all that digital records, like a huge swath of information would be lost forever. Exactly. Because it's yes. not in physical print anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I don't think we should get rid of books entirely. I think we should have like important information still in our local libraries in books just in case such an event would happen. Yeah, it would be tragic to lose all that information. People will have to get used to it, like it or not. This is a reality we're going to have to face. And it could it could happen tomorrow, it could happen in 10 years time, you know, who knows. Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah, who really knows, man? That's the thing is we can't we can't predict anything. So, um, is that a good place to end this episode? Yeah, sounds about right. Okay, well, you've been listening to Impersonal Opinion with Chandler Klebs, Jamie Soden, and Michael Walsh. We've talked about a whole variety of things. Hope you found this entertaining and educational in some way. Um, thank you for listening, and goodbye.